0: Job. Someone says, is this the last message? I don't know if they meant that, like, please let it be over with, or I never get those. You know, it's all in the tone and inflection of the voice and the facial uh, features, and and they didn't look really happy when I said no. Uh, we'll, we finished Job on Easter. Uh, we're going to do chapter 19, My Redeemer Liveth. Uh, it'll be fun. It'll be good. Uh, I love the book, um, I've got more out of it than any series I've done, so whether you're getting anything at it or not, I am. We're in the last chapter, which is, I encourage you to read this first before you read the book. So it's very hard plowing to get through the book. Uh, it's just difficult. It's, it's, uh, it's written in a poetic way, uh, but these interactions with the friends, some of them, the things they say is good. Some of the things they say, as you'll see here, God was really upset at them. And so they misrepresented God. But if you know the story, it's interesting. And every culture, the Jewish culture honors Job. The Muslim culture honors Job. Christian culture honors Job. He's one of the most international figures. He's right up there with Abraham. uh, And and as far as being known and, 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 and literally millions of people have been comforted, encouraged by his story in the book of Job, and so uh, I'm, I'm grateful that this chapter is a, uh, is, is a beautiful chapter. You know, Job's had this walk with God after the boils and lost his children and his, all of his possessions, everything's gone, and he's has these friends that condemn him and accuse him. So if God finally shows up and says, hey, let's take a walk, son, you know, this is the way the father disciplines. He doesn't come with a list of Job's sins. Job knows now that he wasn't being punished for his sins, but while he was suffering, he said a lot of things he regrets saying about God. He got things wrong in his mind. He had wrong thoughts of God. And some of you, some of the people that you invited to Easter have wrong thoughts about God. They think, why Why would I come? God's mad at me, and he'll just be, you know, why, you know it, that people have wrong thoughts. That's why we give away stuff as, as a church. We take up an offering every week, at least we don't take it up. We have boxes in the back, people give online. But we do everything we do for free. Because it's like our Easter extravaganza and I don't fault this church I don't even know which one it was I just saw a church ad and it listed out all the things they were doing for this Easter extravaganza and the kids are having an Easter egg hunt with prizes and there was gonna be food involved hot dogs and a soft drink and there was you know, whatever I don't know and they're gonna have their pictures taken a photo booth well blah, blah. we thought well we're doing all that and we got a big tent to do all that. there said cost per child 15 bucks ours is going to say cost per child free. Come on. I mean, and I guarantee you, I'm not it's not a competition. Don't hear me say, I'm not trying to fault them. I'm just trying to give you our philosophy. That's, this is about grace. And it's about God's goodness to people. And this is what you're going to encounter as God takes Job for this walk through the universe. In the last few chapters, we, he faced some monsters we talked about last week. Uh, Leviathan, the, the sea dragon. Uh, just God saying, Job, there's nothing you need to be afraid of when you're walking with me. I've got you. And so this last chapter... God, Job comes out of it with, and I'll skip ahead, but verse uh, 5 of chapter 42. Job says to God, My ears had heard of you, but now my eyes have seen you. And this is where it becomes a personal relationship. He heard about God. He'd heard the story of God. He had faith in the things he'd heard about, but it, was, it wasn't based on he knew it himself. He, Job comes through this pain, he would go through it again in a heartbeat because he's going to meet God in a new way. Same God, but completely different. His eyes are opened to what he thought God was like, and now he recognizes that he'd gotten it a lot wrong. And he says, my eyes have been opened, and I've seen you now. I despise myself. I repent in the dust, dust and ashes. Remember, he's on the dunghill, the garbage dump of the city where they burn the garbage. So he's still there. And he's not—don't take this as morbid this is job going oh wow oh my gosh did i get it wrong oh my mercy oh i'm so grateful now he's so he's, this is this is a mixture of some tears but joy god's come to me he's shown me who he is he loves me and now he's he's back right with god remember everything starts there in the kingdom If you miss that, it's like baptism. If you get it out of order, you're missing the point. Baptism as a baby isn't baptism because baptism is a choice you make as a follower of Christ, whatever age you are. So when you decide to follow Jesus, after that comes baptism as well as following Christ and and all the other things. But in this context, you'll see a flow to the story. This is kind of the gospel before the gospel. This is the Old Testament giving us clues of what Jesus is going to bring in the New Testament. So it begins with, Job's right with God. He's still got his boils. Everything changed, but nothing changed outside of Job. Job changed, but his world around him didn't. He still doesn't have any money. He's bankrupt. He doesn't have any children. He doesn't have any friends, but he's got Jesus. Would you rather have everything else and not have Jesus? The devil will let you have lots of things that are blessings, but not have the real blessor. If you're just focused on—see, remember, that's the whole message of of Job. One of the main ones is the devil said, God—it's really between God and the devil. Even though Job gets caught in the middle of this thing, but it's really— the devil accusing God that you only have people follow you because you give them good stuff. You stop giving them good stuff They're gonna quit following you So God said "All right, you're on game on Bad news for job. He's the game. He's in the middle of this deal doesn't know it Doesn't know it still doesn't know it, but he knows this He's found God in a new way All the pain he went through was worth it to discover. Listen to me. I'm gonna this is gonna sound horrible Now, just say it on the front end. Sometimes it's better to completely, utterly fail in sin and discover what it means to truly be forgiven and restored and redeemed than to just kind of i've never done anything really that bad you know i'm not advocating go out rob a bank shoot somebody that's not my advice here and then you go to prison and you know you discover forgiveness and grace okay well i was just doing with the pastor uh it's like i gave out these giant nails on one mother's day and i taught on jl You know, she's the one that drove the spike through the the wicked king's head. And and it hit me in the middle of the sermon. Some lady's going to go home and drive this between her husband's temples. It's like, oh, God, and they're going to blame me. The pastor told me to drive this through his head and nail him into the ground. I knew my problems were over at that point. Job's got a new faith. He had to die to a lot of stuff he believed. He depended on what he believed instead of on the God he believed in. So now now that he's right with God, he's got to get right with others. And that's the way the kingdom works. Verse 7, after the Lord had said these things to Job, he said to Eliphaz, the Temanite, I'm angry with you. Now, don't just get God's big softy. God's got a a strong side of, of anger that's real. Wrath is real. He's not happy. If God says to you, I'm I'm angry at you, that's not good. Let me just help you. That's not good. These are guys that thought they were representing God, telling Job that God was angry at him. It's come back on them. Be careful how you judge others. It will come back on you. And that's what's happening right here. He says to 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 Eliphaz and his other two friends, which, by the way, there's somebody missing, Elihu. He's a, there were four of them. He has six chapters. Job never mentions him. God never responds to him. It's kind of like he's all that in a bag of chips. He doesn't show up. Not good. He misses the reconciliation. Kind of like Thomas when the Lord showed up after the resurrection and he wasn't in the room. Not a good day to miss church when Jesus shows up. He says, God says, I'm angry with you and your two friends because you've not spoken of me what is right. Don't miss this. As, think of it. This is like a proud papa. As my servant Job. Remember, that's what he called him in the enemy's face. He says, have you considered my servant Job? Which he had. God's calling him a worshiper. This isn't like my slave, Job. This isn't like my hired worker, Job. This is my son, the worshiper, Job. That's what the word service implies. It's, 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 it's the honor of representing and, and the honor of being his representative to others. It's Job. God calls him my son. And you know who's listening? Who's listening? Many commentators say, well, you know, the devil leaves the scene after Job and the boils and Bible. We don't hear of him again. And well, yeah, you do. Because when the friends open their mouths, half the time he's speaking from them. He's still there. He's watching. You don't think God didn't make him watch his final defeat in the trial of Job He's about to walk Job to the podium. You know, like they do in the, in the, uh, in the boxing matches. They, the, the, the referee walks him up. They got him both hands there. And winner by knockout, my servant Job. And he lifts his hand up. The enemy had to have his face in the dust here. He had dust in his mouth from Dung Hill. That's all he left with. He didn't win. He lost, and he's going to lose. That's the hope we have through Jesus Christ. Job wins because God has enabled him and given him strength. So now, as victor, comes responsibilities. Winning in the kingdom comes with, read the fine print. Here's the fine print. God says, I'm not happy with you. I'm angry at you. And you didn't speak of me what my servant Job did. Verse 8, now take seven bulls, seven rams, go to my servant Job sacrifice a burnt offering for yourselves. You're not doing it for Job. I've already made my peace with Job. Job and I are good. I'm not good with you, and I'm not going to be good with you until you go to Job and get things right with Job. Ooh, ooh. Now, who's it harder on, the friends or Job? You're going to be in both roles in life. So you better, better be good at both of them. You're going to be on the end of having to go to somebody and say, I'm sorry, and ask for mercy. And you're going to be on the other end of being the one that has the responsibility to give it when it's asked. Now, I've already been to Jesus and asked for mercy. How about you? I know I need his mercy and it, it, I, I knew I needed it, I had no nothing to say, but help forgive me. But then the fine prince says, Oh, by the way, I've forgiven you. You have to forgive others. That's hard. Was it easy for Jesus to forgive Jamie? He died on the cross so he could forgive me. These guys had to bring us up. Job is acting like Jesus right here. He's like a priest. And whenever someone comes to you for forgiveness you get to stand in the role of the Lord Jesus Christ you can either act like him or you can be the most unlike him because if you act like him now I'm not talking about these aren't people that are abusers that are coming to Job to keep abusing him these are people that abused him and repented if you can forgive someone that hadn't repented but you can't reconcile with them you shouldn't maybe they need to be in jail you can forgive people that go to jail. You can forgive people that are dead. Some of you have been hurt by people. They're not going to come back and say, I'm sorry, because they're dead. So what's your option? Forgive them. It's called leaving the light on. You, you don't want that prodigal friend, son, daughter. You don't want the prodigal coming to the door and the door shut and you're not ready when they come. What if Job wasn't ready when these guys showed up? What if he hadn't done his job with God and and been on his face before God? What if if Job wasn't ready? They have to go to Job and get things right. What if Job said no? He could have. Then it would have hindered Job and hindered them. This is a powerful scene that's a picture of us coming to Jesus. The difference is I don't have to kill my dog and bring him to Jesus as a sacrifice. That was a joke. Somebody's like, you're processing my dog, my cat. Oh, my God, he wouldn't ask for my cat. There's not enough cats to get you to heaven. My dog would get you close. He's close. You, you, you don't, you, there's no sacrifice you can bring. Some people think I've got to suffer for my own sins, and that'll make up for what I've done. And Jesus says, no, I've already done that. I suffered for your sins, I took your place. When they offer those animals to Job, they're saying, Job, this should be me. You're gonna slit their throat, gut them, put them on the altar, and burn them with fire. That should be me. This is representing me. This is my, I'm sorry. But with Jesus, you can't bring enough. He brought himself. He is both sacrifice and priest. He's the forgiver and he's the basis of why you're able to be forgiven, which is his death on the cross. So Job's got a choice to make. God sent these people to him. He's got the light on. And God not only does he tell them that, he tells them in verse 8, uh, "You bring the rams, go to my servant Job and a sacrifice of burnt offering for yourselves. My servant, he says it again four times in these verses. My servant Job, and I can't imagine him saying it loud enough. It's like, my servant, Job! To the dark one listening in the side. Now, I'm not rubbing it in. I'm rubbing your face in the dust. My ser- Did I say my servant, Job? The one that's survived the trial, that you tormented him, you afflicted him, you killed his children, you devoured his life, you destroyed his wife's mind. Yet that servant, my Servant, he has no reason to love me but me. I think God's bragging a little bit here. You know God's the only one that can really brag and not be bragging? Because it's just, he's God. There's none better. My servant. I, I want him to say that for me. I'm happy for my grandchildren that, or my children to win awards or accomplish things in life. And, but more than anything, if it doesn't say, God doesn't say over them, my servant's. What have we gained? Nothing is going to last but being his is what lasts. So go to Job, verse 9. Eliphaz, the Temanite, Bildad, the Shuhite. Remember the shortest guy in the Bible? He's only a Shuhite. Bildad, the Shuhite, Zophar, the Namathite, did what the Lord told them. If you said, Jamie, give me one, two, three, four, five... Six words that give you the best advice you could ever have out of the Bible. Right there. Go home, underline it in your Bible. What do I do? Do what the Lord tells you. Just do it. But it doesn't feel, it's not, I don't understand. Every problem you've ever gotten into is because you didn't do what the Lord told you to do. Now, how do you get out of it? Do what he tells you to do. You didn't listen and you got into it. You're not going to get out of it by ignoring him again. You're just going to repeat the same problem. Go to Job, and they did what the Lord told them, and the Lord accepted Job's prayer, not theirs. Now that he did after this, but he said, "No, you go get things right with Job. Now verse 10, after, 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 after Job had prayed for his friends. The Lord made him prosperous again and gave him twice as much as he had before, double portion, after. Now, don't get this wrong. He got right with God. God sends him his friends. He gets right with them. They're reconciled. There's a difference between God restoring fortunes and God reconciling hearts. It's part of it. There's a wonderful promise in the prophet Joel the old testament it's a little bitty book it's where we get the promise that we'll talk about on pentecost where peter preaches in acts 2 he quotes out of the book of joel but two three verses before the pentecost promise is this promise and job chapter i mean excuse me joel chapter 2 verse 25 it says the lord says i'm going to restore the years job joel 225 you with me there we are i will repay you for the years the locusts have eaten This is reparations. Now listen to me. This isn't, I deserve this reparation. This isn't, you owe me God restoration. Job's not in the face of God saying, you owe me. Job's looking for, he's still got balls, but he's happy. Why? He's at peace. God loves him. God's his friend. God's smiling over him. Job's singing i don't know when the boils go i think somewhere as he's taking those sacrifices wow those that arms better. he doesn't we don't know but here's a promise see there are people that think that it ruins the book of job because it ends with a fairy tale type ending you ever heard somebody say wow well, that's not reality you ever have listen I, when i pay money to go to a movie which i we haven't we've been to two movies in the, probably the last Decade, maybe I don't know, and they were both great. Uh, The uh, the one with uh, Kurt Warner and uh, and then the the Jesus Revolution. Anyway, it's expensive to go to a movie. I was like, can you go into some movie? I remember Kim took me to one years ago, and it was called the Joy Luck Club. It was the most depressing movie I've ever been to in my life. Don't some of you go, you morbid minds? I'll go and go watch it. That was horrible. There was no redemption in it. It was just generational death and just ah, i left there dep- i mean it's like people say well that's reality no it's not not if you believe the bible the bible doesn't end with god angry the bible ends with grace the bible ends in the book of revelation it's grace and i don't go, i'm not going to go pay money to go to something and it ends with no redemption and the bad people win because that's not the end of the story Read a little further. Go to the next chapter. Now, maybe that story ended there, but the end didn't end until God says it's the end. Amen? When God says it's the end, he sets things right. He puts the world back to order. He restores. He wipes away the tears. It's redemption. That's what's happening here. Now, God wants you to believe for it now, but knowing that There may be things that it won't be till after Christ returns and you're resurrected that it's fully restored. He said, I'm going to restore the years that the the, you're farming, everything's been wiped out. Could be by your own choices. When the prodigal son wasted all his money, the locust ate him. He came home bankrupt like Job, but Job hadn't sinned. The prodigal came home to a dad and he'd spend all of his money. what did the dad do? He took his coming home as the sacrifice. And he said, give me the best robe. Give me the ring and the shoes and go kill that cow I've been feeding since my son's been gone. We're going to eat him tonight. And guess what? The son came in. Now, I'm telling you, somewhere in this process, Job gets a bath. My imagination goes crazy with this. But there are, there are literally, there have been monasteries that have been built around. I can't find exactly where they are and the, the words, I can't. But they, the tradition, there's, there's lots of traditions. But one of them is that God said to Job, stomp your foot. When he did, a fountain sprung up. Now, if you find that hard to believe, read chapter 38, 39, and 40. Not going to say that was hard. But anyway that somehow Job gets a bath. There's a labor, a, a stone labor in one of them that supposedly Job was, now who bathed him? Don't know. But Job had a baptism. God didn't leave him with a stink of dunghill on him. He washed him, cleansed him. Job's bath, that's what we're gonna do next week. You come out of that water clean, washed, renewed, So Job, God says, I'm going to double everything. Again, don't claim this as though God owes it to you. Every blessing we have is a gift based on what Christ did on that cross. Nothing is based on Job deserves this. This is not reparations based on God was unjust to Job that God owed Job an excuse or, or, or an answer. So God goes through this. I love it. I'm just going to go through it real quick. But God doubles everything he has. He t- in in uh, verse 11, all his brothers and sisters and everyone who had known him before came. Where have they been? That's what I had said. Come on. If I got past the friends that brought something dead or to kill... What are you going to do to the people that do right when you need it and the most? They're gone. They thought he had like the plague. Job just full of kindness. He's, he's discovered the mercy in his own life. He not only forgave his friends, but his family members. This is reunion. I'm going to go out on the limb and say we're not going to see this until Jesus returns. But when he does, the Bible says it will be the reconciliation of all things where jesus comes there's peace and he makes peace and there'll be peace in the nations and the swords will be turned into plowshares and the lion will lay down with the lamb and his friends come look what it says they ate one of my favorite words in the whole chapter here they don't don't read it like and they had a meal together they had a party come on job's dancing God's put a new robe on him. You know he's got a new robe. After he bathed his son who went through all that hell, he's got a new robe. He's dancing with his friends. He's living for what's coming, not what was. He's not focused on how bad it was. It's how good God is. He's looking at what God's got in the future. He's not like, well, the best has already come and gone. I've seen the best that I'll ever see in life. Job is living in the moment. Job is experiencing the renewal and the return of his family and his friends. What a Story of redemption. Verse 12. Oh, oh let, me, let me, don't miss this. They ate with him, in verse 11. In his house, they comforted and consoled him. Again, I'm saying a little late, but you know, better late than never. They showed up at least. And they're affirming Job. And you could just see Job grin and it's okay. It's okay. It's okay. I'll never forget one of my uh, former son-in-laws. We loved him like a son, and he just had a lot of issues and blew up his marriage and put, caused a lot of pain to our daughter. And I wasn't happy at all with him. And they divorced, uh, needed to, uh, and we were grateful to get him apart. Well, we had dealt with our hearts with God with him. That's what we call leaving the light on. I'd already forgiven him. I'd been on my face with God. I wanted to hurt him bad. He hurt, he hurt my daughter bad. I wanted to hurt him. And God's, no. Forgive him. I got to go back and do what the Lord tells you to do. He didn't say do what feels good. I didn't feel good. But it felt right. There's a difference, isn't there? I didn't have a warm, mushy feeling. But I forgave him. I checked my heart often. About three years later, I'm sitting on my back porch by myself. He comes around the back. He walks in. I just came up, threw my arms around him. We started crying together. And I said, you need to ask me something. I've already done it, but you need to ask me. He said, I want to ask you to forgive me. I said, yes, I do, because he needed to hear it. And I forgave him, and we made peace and been friends since. And I told him, next time you come to my house, you come to the front door. You don't come in the back door. And it was peace, and it was healing. There was time to that. But I had to have my heart ready. I kept the light on. You can't reconcile with someone that hadn't repented. That's abuse. That's stupidity. You can have boundaries to forgiveness until there's repentance. So Job, he's, thats party! Party at Job's house! Job, see, man, come on, this guy's been through hell and back. And now at verse 12, the Lord blessed the latter part of Job's life more than the first. He had 14,000 sheep, 6,000 camels, 1,000 yoke of oxen, and 1,000 donkeys. I didn't read at the end when they, the people came to comfort him, they all brought him some piece, chunk of silver. Now that's a friend. They built his bank account back up. Job's a businessman. I don't think they made him wealthy. They just gave him a starter kit. You give me, a, you know, I had a friend, you give him 500 bucks and drop him anywhere in any city in the country and have his own place, his own car, and his own business in a month. And still have cash left over. He just knew how to do business. He just knew how to make it work. He didn't lay down, somebody, give me something. Go make it happen. Job took that money, made it happen. This story took years to get the restoration. Don't read it like it all happened in one day. So he's got all his camels, going, but there's something missing. It says, verse 13, and he also had seven sons and three daughters. Now, this implies he had a wife. You ain't having so Now, we don't know the backstory, but I know God enough, and I've watched ministry, and I, I know God loves to restore broken things. Now, he can do that sometimes a spouse dies sometimes divorce happens and and there, you, there's no going back there's another relationship. There, you can't you can't fix something by going back and breaking something to fix it you've you got to move forward so sometimes God restores in ways that are redemptive and it's it's not by blaming the other person you know that's never a good sign when you meet if those of you that are single and you meet someone that's been through a broken relationship and all they do is talk about how horrible the other person was just make a little mental note. Be careful. If I don't hear anything about what God showed you, how you could grow, how you could be better, how God doesn't mean the other person didn't have problems. You can't fix the other person. You can only work on you. I think Mrs. Job had her some babies later in life. At this point, she's probably earliest would be maybe 70 years old. She had 10 children, so the earliest she'd be 70. I think she popped out 10 more. You talk about redemption. Mrs. Job is rocking it. Job's having a little fun too. Job's at 100 making babies. This is redemption. This is, God's good. Now, I love this. I'm not going to talk about it. I'm going to write about it. God's shown me some things, and my wife and I, but I just want at least deposit it to you. He had seven children, boys, three daughters. Now, the obvious thing is that he didn't give them double children. He gave them double everything else. Some said because he was giving them a blessing and double kids wouldn't be that big of a blessing. That's not a good answer. (laughs) That means Mrs. Job would have been really busy for the next years. But the better answer is the, the Bible answer, the truth answer is that the children were not gone; they had been killed, their bodies, but their souls were with God. And Job had a sense that he's going to see them again. So having ten more does double them. But now here's the intriguing part: he names the not the sons; they don't get named. They don't even make the role. They don't even get spoken of. But the daughters all three are named verse 13 he also had seven sons three daughters the first daughter named Jemia, Jimia. if you're from the south it's Jimmy. but i don't know how to say it i looked it up and it, i had to use the pronunciation thing and i just i couldn't get it but anyway it's it's really like with an h it's like Hima mia or whatever second is kithia i know these are great possibilities just learn how to say them right when you name your babies some of you aren't done yet and each name means something which i'm not going to go on but it's a great study and then karine hapoch or hapoch now these are three named girls you don't that girls meant nothing back then they were like nah you had a girl i had a son the son carried on the legacy the son got the inheritance the son was the honored one in that culture job's like nope See a new God? Gonna be a new dad. He says to his three daughters that he says, verse 15 nowhere in all the land were found women as beautiful as Job's daughters. So they wouldn't have a problem finding a husband, finding the right husband. So he's not worrying about them having a husband. If he'd had three ugly daughters, it might have made sense that he gave them an inheritance because they're probably not going to get married because they're too ugly to get married. But he didn't do that. They're beautiful. So they're going to get a man. Why does he say this? And it says he granted them an inheritance with their brothers. Nobody does that. Tell us, Pat. Nope, you get to read the book. I'll tell you when I write the book, so pray for me to write it. Verse 16. After this, Job lived 140 years. After this, 140 years, he saw his children, their children, their children, their children and their children to the fourth generation that's a great 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 grandchild or something like that you can figure it out he died old and full of years may that be said over every one of us because it'll be fulfilled not here but in the years that'll never end in eternity let me just say this Job had 140. If you think he didn't live them different, he was a good man before the test, but he learned some things about God. What if God gave you? What if you knew you you only had this year to live? Would it be any different than the years you've lived before this year? I mean, if you are going to just keep repeating the same things and hope for a different year, I remember one of the most emotional funerals I've ever done was a, uh, I think she was, she might not even been 30. She had two young children. She died of cancer. I didn't really know them. Someone asked me to, to step in and help. And, and when I did the funeral, they played this country song, it should be illegal, but it's called Just One More Day or something of like that, if I could just have one more day with you. And he wept he loved his wife and just wanted one more day, one more day. Job had 140 more years. That's a lot of days. Do you think God just gave that to him to just goof around? Or do you think Job might have made an impact on this world in those 140 years? you think Job's daughters might have had something to do with that impact and what happened with them? You can only guess, but I can put it to myself personally. I don't know how much time God's given me, but I want to make valuable. I don't want to believe that the best of my life has already come and gone. Some of you believe that today. Or maybe you lost a marriage or lost a spouse and you think the best of life has moved past you. That's a demonic curse, and I rebuke it in Jesus' name. It's not true. The moment you believe, it'll never get any better. You've fallen into the trap of the despair of the enemy. It will always get better because we have a Redeemer who's coming, and he will set everything to right when he returns to this earth so it may not all get better here you may not get all your vindication you may not get all your years the locust of eating here but you're going to get them when he comes back that'll be a great day that'll be a a day of redemption but you get taste of it now my wife and I, over the years, we've had stuff stolen from us and our family financially. We've, we've, we've forgiven people. We've watched God restore things that have been stolen from us. We've seen this story true in our lives. We've seen it with our kids. We've seen it with our daughter. That if you ever heard her testimony that led us in worship this morning, that'll lead us at the end. The devil had her convinced that she'd never sing again, that she destroyed her voice by her choices. And yet God restores the years the locust of Eden and brings it back. God's not just a God that says, yeah, I'm going to reset the bone and we'll, let's see what we can do with it. God says, I'm going to make it better than it was. It may be different, may not be as big, maybe whatever, but it's going to be better. The minute you sell into the lie that my only chance at happiness and hope and goodness of life, it's come and gone, I'm just going to survive the next years. That's a lie. You might have limitation abilities. You may have strength limitations. Fine. It doesn't matter. God's not limited. And he's not finished with you. Or he'd take you home. So he's got stuff for you to do. He's got people for you to invite to Easter. You say, oh, that's... If that's not worth living for, that you're going to see somebody come to Easter potentially come to Jesus and experience the love that Job experienced and the forgiveness, that's worth living for. There's a lot of things that aren't. But seeing Jesus change lives and ringing that bell, that's worth it. Maybe it'll ring for you today. Let's pray. Just take a moment between you and the Lord and to make peace with God. It's not about getting your life all fixed up and coming to God as though you're the sacrifice no Jesus is the sacrifice and he already laid his life down so that he took your place and my place so that you can come to God and be forgiven because of Jesus not because you deserve it or earn it or you can prove that you'll be worth it just because he loves you but you gotta come there was one that didn't show up at that reconciliation Elihu was his name well I don't know why he wasn't there But I know he wasn't reconciled because you can't be reconciled and miss the reconciliation. He didn't show up. He didn't come and say, Job, I'm sorry. He missed the joy of the party. He's like the older brother and the prodigal son story. He wouldn't come in because he was mad at his brother. Judged him. Worthless. Wasted our money. I'm not coming to his party. He didn't understand grace. He didn't understand that he needed grace as much as his younger brother. The father understood it. So today, you need to come home to Jesus. It's as simple as a simple prayer. Jesus, take my life. Take all of me. I'm yours. Forgive my sins and come and be the Lord of my life. Just ask him. It's as simple and yet life-changing as that. Come, Lord. Bless our time of commitment. In Jesus' name, amen.